Hello and welcome to Healthline 3. I'm Terry Simmons. Today we're talking with Dr. John Mays of Vosier Orthopedics and we're talking all about shoulder pain. We'll be taking your calls throughout the show and as a reminder, please make sure you're in a quiet room with your TV turned all the way down before making your call. And the number is 318-219-4569 and you'll see it at the bottom of your screen throughout the show. And now to Dr. Mays. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Terry. I'm really glad we're talking this time about shoulder pain because there's a lot to talk about. I know a lot of our viewers, I know a lot of people have experienced it from time to time. Sometimes we think we slept wrong or we actually know we might have pulled something, we're afraid. Tell us, first of all, some of the causes that you see of shoulder pain. Well, shoulder pain is one of the most common reasons I see people in clinic. It's right up there with back pain and knee pain. And, and shoulder pain, when you walk in with a patient, depending on their age, is going to really key in a lot on what the problem's going to be. Um, typically, when you're dealing with a younger patient, it's going to be more instability. People dislocate their shoulder much more when they're young, you know, when their joints are still flexible, when they're playing football and basketball and things like that. As you get older into middle age, like me, um, <laughs> you tend to have more rotator cuff, tendon problems, bursitis, and those are problems that we encounter as we become less active. You know, a lot of people think that they get shoulder problems from doing too much. I did too much with my shoulder and I injured it. That's rarely the cause. Nine times out of 10, the cause is not doing enough. Because as we get older, we limit our activity, we don't exercise as much, Naturally, after age 50, you lose about 5% of your muscle mass every year, unless you're doing some really good exercises to maintain it. As the shoulders get weaker, you lose that muscle, then you start to get problems like bursitis, inflammation, even rotator cuff tears. And there's a common misconception among people that you have a normal shoulder, you do something, you tear your rotator cuff. That very rarely happens. In fact, they've done a number of studies looking at rotator cuff tears, and it's actually more of a genetic component than there is injury component. Rotator cuff tears, like arthritis, run in families. I see families where mom, dad, brothers, sisters, they've all torn their rotator cuff. And that's not from any particular activity they've done, but it's just because they're genetically predisposed to get that, which is counterintuitive. Um, also, People get shoulder pain and they ignore it and they think, oh, my shoulder's hurt. I need to take it easy. I need to give it a rest. <laughs> and then they rest it for six months and then they can't move it. And of course, when you rest something, it gets stiffer, it gets weaker, and that starts the downward spiral to end up with a rotator cuff tear. And even a rotator cuff tear itself is weird because if you did an MRI on every 60-year-old or 70-year-old in the United States, the vast majority of them, even if they don't have shoulder problems or pain, have a rotator cuff tear. They don't even know it. So it's not like somebody comes in, oh, you've got shoulder pain, let's get an MRI. Oh, you've got a rotator cuff tear, you have to have surgery. It doesn't work that way. It's not like cancer. So even if you do have a rotator cuff tear on an MRI, the first thing you're gonna do every time is going to be number one get the pain under control to get the pain under control that can be done with medications such as over-counter medications would be anti-inflammatories like ibuprofen Aleve or Tylenol if you have a sensitive stomach oftentimes a simple injection into the shoulder which sounds scary mm -hmm. 
but it literally takes two seconds and does not hurt a bit. Can make the pain completely go away by the next day and it can control the pain for over a month. So once you get the pain under control, then you can start to deal with the weakness, the stiffness, and that's something that you can only really get better with a stretching and exercise program. I give people sheets that outlines the exercises. Some people do it themselves. Some people who know that, hey, I'm not gonna do these exercises, I need some help. I'll refer them to work with a physical therapist. You know, a physical therapist should be kind of like a coach. You know, if you wanted to learn to play football and you got a book out or looked at a picture and went out and tried to play, it would be very difficult. But if you had a coach with you to kind of work you through the whole process, it's easier. So we do the injections, we do the medications, we do the exercises for the rotator cuff injuries and the bursitis. And then I'll see people back in a couple of weeks. And the majority of the time, the pain will be gone or dramatically better. But there are some people who just have weakness and pain, and they're not gonna respond to the conservative measures. Years ago, you had to do a rel relatively large incision. You had to open everything up and get in there and work on it. Well, nowadays, with arthroscopy being so advanced, um, it's literally tiny little holes where we put fiber optic cameras, which are smaller than a pencil, into the shoulder joint. And 99% of all procedures can be done arthroscopically. So you'd come in the morning, have an hour-long surgery, have three stitches, and then back to therapy <laughs> uh, to work on it again. And far and away, I would say 90% of the people I see with shoulder pain are gonna end up being a rotator cuff injury. There are some more esoteric causes of shoulder pain, such as a frozen shoulder. People might have heard of that. That's mm -hmm. an unusual condition where people, for no reason whatsoever, their shoulder just gets stiff. I'm talking so stiff that you can't move it at all. And it doesn't even have to have an inciting reason. And once that develops, they come see us, and that is a different condition. We really rarely do surgery for that. So those are two of the common causes. And then, of course, you can fall and break your shoulder. <laughs> and that's typically women, typically older people who have osteoporosis or their bone quality has decreased over time. Um, and once again, the majority of those can be treated non-operatively. Occasionally we do have to do surgeries on those. Um, young people, shoulder dislocations, um, that's a common problem we deal with. Um, Usually we can treat those non-operatively as well, but sometimes you do have to do surgery years ago. Like I just said, it was a big surgery. Today we do the vast majority of those with arthroscopic techniques. Um, the main thing is if you've had shoulder pain for a month or two, you need to really get it moving. You don't need to limit what you do with it. And if you do your exercises and stretches, you can get on the internet and find some exercises for shoulder pain or rotator cuff impingement or bursitis. And if those aren't responding pretty quick, you probably do need to go see an orthopedic surgeon um, and work through that. Okay, and if you, so the, let's talk about the injections. So what are you injecting in and what is it doing in there? Well, what you're dealing with is you're dealing with the space between the rotator cuff and your acromion, which is this bone you feel right on top of your shoulder. And when people get older and their shoulder muscles are weaker and their coordination is not as good and they're not doing as much as they used to, the ball of the humerus 
starts to kind of migrate up and it rubs against that bone. So your rotator cuff is rubbing against this bone and it can call, we call it impingement. And that can cause bursitis, the bursa being the little space between the, the tendon and the bone. And that gets inflamed and irritated. Um, so taking medications can of course help inflammation. But if you take medicine and you inject it directly into that space where the pain and inflammation is, what we inject is local anesthetic, which is typically lidocaine, which is the same medicine when you go to the dentist, they numb your teeth up, and a steroid, which the lidocaine works immediately, but then a few hours later wears off, but the steroid kicks in by the next day, and it can work for a month or more at a time to get rid of that inflammation and pain. But if you just do the injection and you don't do anything else, you're gonna be back in a month with the same problem. But if they, you take that opportunity to do the exercises and stretches and regain your motion and improve your strength, it can get better. The rotator cuff is a tendon and it connects to muscles. Just like you can build your muscles by exercising, you can also build your tendons. So if you have a torn rotator cuff, it's not the end of the story. If it's a small or a partial tear and you strengthen that muscle, then the tendon attached to that muscle is also gonna heal get stronger and can improve over time. So that injection is really just helping you to get mobile again. Right. That's not the, yeah, that's just right. one source to help you. The whole point is to keep moving, keep strengthening the muscle, keep taking care of it, keep it mobile, keep the juices flowing in there. You know, I try to make that point to people. I'm about to give you a shot. It's not gonna hurt. It's gonna take two seconds and you're gonna feel dramatically better by tomorrow. But if you, take these exercises I'm giving you and you throw them away, <laughs> you're gonna be right back here in a month or two to get another shot. And at that point, we're gonna to have to have another discussion. So if you would just take this opportunity to do these exercises and stretches once or twice a day, you can not have to come see me again. So that's the most important part is the exercise and stretches. The shot is just to relieve the pain so that those things become possible. So yeah, just to relieve the pain. So if I didn't get the injection and you gave me the exercises and I don't really want the shot, I know it's uncomfortable, I'm gonna do the exercises yeah. anyway. The point is just to help you do the exercises. Yeah, and people, some people are allergic to injections. Yeah. They have a phobia, an irrational feel, fear of a shot, sure. which really take two seconds, doesn't hurt. People come in and they say, oh, my friend got a shot in their shoulder and they died. What? No, it's not that bad. <laughs> Our, you know, I don't want you digging around in there with a needle. I go, I'm not gonna dig around. It's gonna take two seconds and it's not gonna hurt. So people have a fear of injections, but in this situation, it, it's so easy. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously if you're trying to do exercises and, and it's killing you, it's hard. If you get a simple shot and the next day you can do the exercises pain-free, it makes it that much easier. Okay. And there's just like different types, like, and, and we talk about, it, I, typical, like we started talking about different causes. A young person will come in, it's usually dislocation, they're active. Right. What, but is it always that way? Like, is there such thing as there's age does deteriorate the muscle? But if you have someone who's just really active and healthy all their life, and they really are, they're moving, they're healthy, they're really intentionally taking care of their body, is there also just because of age gonna be a little bit of, does that happen regardless? No. Um, Osteoarthritis is a condition that not everybody has, but some people inherit from their parents. It's much more common in knees and hips and hands mm -hmm. and spines, but it does occur in the shoulder. It's much more rare. You know, I have people come in all the time. Typically, it's people in their 70s, 80s, 
well, they'll have shoulder pain, and I'll be thinking, oh, they got a rotator cuff. We'll get an x-ray, oh, you, you have arthritis. And that's kind of a different story. You still want to maintain your, your activity, you know, but that's something we would treat more with medications, maybe in a, a different type of injection. And we do, I don't particularly do it, my partner does a lot of these shoulder replacements. Mm -hmm. Just like a knee replacement, a hip replacement, you can certainly have a shoulder replacement. But those are much more rare than your rotator cuff tears, dislocations, you know, so it's unlikely that your pain is going to be due to arthritis. Right, okay. We have Bertha on the line for you. Hi, Bertha, thanks for calling. What's your question? I want to know all, but I have this all in my neck coming from my shoulder and it stays stiff and hurt all the time. Does that have anything to do with me not exercising the butt and uh, I can't lift my hand up to do my hair. What can I do? Well, uh, neck and shoulder pain do overlap quite a bit. Um, so the first thing I do when I have people come in with a shoulder problem or a neck problem is I have them move mm -hmm. their neck around. If they move their neck around and it causes pain, then it's probably the neck. And then I have them take both your arms and lift them over your head. If you can lift your arms over your head without pain, then it's probably not your shoulder. Um, if you have shoulder pain, you need to get it moving. You need to use it, you need to exercise it. You need to maybe get on a wall and stretch it up. Um, you don't want to limit the motion and activity with your shoulder, um, but it can be difficult to determine if it's coming from the neck or the shoulder. Okay, uh, can I get a uh, phone number your Phone number to my office? Where's your office located? My office is in Bossier at the Pavilion, Willis Knight and Bossier on Airline. Okay. Right off 220. Okay. It's easy to get to. Come see me. Can you tell me what kind of insurance you take? Uh, I take all insurances, yes. And Medicare okay. and Medicaid. Huh? What you say? I take all insurances. Oh, you take Medicare and Medicaid too? Yes, ma'am. Well, I would like to get an apartment to come to your office. I'd love to see you. And be sure and tell them that you saw them on Healthline 3, Bertha. Yes. And we don't know. Well, that was a really good question, too. Not talk about neck and shoulder pain, because right. there is a referred pain, and we don't know, and not being right. able to. And we always talk about you really want to, it's, it's your quality of life. Yeah. These are the daily things that are stopping you. Definitely go see and get it fixed. If you can't, well, she's used to fixing her hair and it hurts to lift her hair to fix her hair, that's something to see about. Well, that's part of the clinic visit. People come in all the time and they'll say, hey, I'm having neck pain. And you'll say, okay. Then you examine them and you find out it's the shoulder. Lift yeah. your arm over your head. Oh, I can't. Well, that's your shoulder. <laughs> um, so, you know, we don't just take their word for it and write it down. We have to examine them to determine where it's coming from. Neck and shoulder overlap a lot spine, low back, and hip overlap a lot. Yeah. So people all the time come in and you know they think it's their hip and they find out it's really their back or they think it's the shoulder and find out it's really the neck and that's part of the part of my job to help them figure those things out. <laughs> and what are the reasons that you find that some people wait? You talk about the one, you know, I have a shoulder then I just kept it you know in a sling for five months and didn't come in or a few weeks. What is the reason most people Wait. People, you know, just think they can wish things away. They think, oh, it hurts to move my shoulder, so that means I never need to move it again. You know, and 
and it makes sense for a day or two, maybe a week, but if it's been two weeks and you still can't move your shoulder and it's still painful, you probably need to go get some help. Um, but people just think that they do too much and they've torn something or they need to limit their activity and you know people rarely get injuries from doing too much in today's America you know we they, they get we get things from not doing enough we don't tear things up we you know we we rest them up mm-hmm <laughs> yeah. that's true yeah uh, and it's a funny excuse to do that too. You know, well, I right. worked out for an hour and hurt myself, so exercise must not be good for you. Right, yeah, you go to the gym <laughs> one time and you get sore. Oh, I messed my shoulder up. I better not go ever again. Well, you, <laughs> gotta, you gotta keep working through that. Right, um, now is it a, an okay to stabilize it? Say I, my shoulder is hurting, it's not an emergency. I've got an appointment in two days. And is it okay to stabilize it just be, for a little while just because it actually, it hurts when I move it? So yeah. is that okay to kind yeah, of just... that's perfectly reasonable to do that for a short period of time, but not for six months. Yeah, you know, not so as a cure. Not as a cure, no. Uh, limiting, you know, putting a sling on and wearing it for an extended period of time. Um, shoulders are very prone to getting stiff. Mm -hmm. And once they do get stiff, it can be very difficult to get that motion back again. Um, you know, if you had a sore knee and put a cast on it, for a month and took the cast off, it would take you a long time to regain that motion. It's the same with a shoulder. You know, a lot of people say, oh, I work all the time with my shoulder. I go, yeah, but do you work up here? No, I, you know, you're down here, but your shoulder has a wide range of motion and it has to work through that full range of motion to be healthy. Mm -hmm. um, and if you're not using, doing overhead activities, it, it can really limit the strength and motion of your shoulder. Yeah, so let's really emphasize that. What's the difference in the office visit if I come to you pretty much right away, I'm, I have, it, it's painful, I know I need something done, or I wait a few weeks and I've just kept it in a sling and have done and it's stiff. What's the difference in that doctor visit? Well, part of the examination is gonna be to have you go through a full active range of motion. I'm gonna have you lift your arm, abduct it out to the side, forward flex it over your head. I'm gonna check your internal and external rotation and that's a that's a sign of kind of what's going on because so, like I mentioned the frozen shoulder mm -hmm. those people really lose their rotation they might have and if it's if you if you can't lift your arm and then I try to lift it and it still won't go that's not normal mm -hmm. that's a frozen shoulder and that's treated very differently than a rotator cuff injury bursitis instability people with shoulder instability tend to in certain positions, typically it's abduction, external rotation, the shoulder might pop out of place, dislocate. Ooh. And then sometimes you have to go to the emergency room to get it put back in. Some people dislocate so much that they're able to reduce it themselves. So they're gonna naturally limit their rotation and motion. And sometimes you have to do surgery on them first before they can regain their full range of motion because if they start moving too much, it's gonna pop out of place. So the shoulder is an unusual joint because it has a large degree of freedom. Um, the hip joint, the knee joint's a hinge, it's not gonna dislocate. The hip is a ball which is captured in a socket. It's very unlikely to dislocate. But the shoulder is a big ball sitting on a little bitty socket and it can pop out of place. So dislocation is a much more common problem with shoulders. 
So you do have to be a little hesitant. So it is, if you're having shoulder dislocations, you definitely need to go see the doctor. Mm -hmm. If your shoulder's been sore for a week or two, you can probably get by getting on the internet, reading some exercises and trying that first. Yeah, and frozen shoulder, we talk about we don't really know what causes it. No, no. it's an unusual condition. It's mm -hmm. more common in people with diabetes, but anyone can get it. It can occasionally occur after an injury when people self-limit their activity, but the majority of these occur spontaneously. And the really weird thing is, when you get it in one shoulder, it's, it's over 50% of people get the same problem in their other shoulder within two years. Wow. Just, you know, you get one shoulder well and you're like, oh, that was great, and boom, they're back in the next year with the same problem on the other side. And it is a weird problem because even it gets super stiff and if you don't do anything, it takes about 18 months, but it resolves. It just gets really painful and stiff stays that way for a little over a year and then gets better. So what you don't want to do is overreact with treatment with that. If somebody comes in and you determine they have a frozen shoulder, you don't want to go in there and start doing five surgeries on them. Mm -hmm. You know, you want to kind of help them work through that problem, but very few people want to deal with a stiff, painful shoulder for 18 months. No. So we do have some techniques for decreasing that length of time, um, but it's, uh, it, it's a frustrating problem for people. I would think so, especially... And doctors. And doctors. I was just going to say that, especially <laughs> for the doctor, especially yeah. when they come in and you see, because is there, our body's so balanced, yeah. and, and do we, there's a, a tendency, I'm sure, to overcompensate with the other side. If you've got this one, you might overuse this one that you're not used to, and well, I've uh, there's a lot of things that can happen. The other weird thing, I, I've really, I've been doing this for 75 years, and I've never seen anyone with bilateral simultaneous frozen shoulders, so, right. and it's an unusual problem. But you know, people come in and they want to be fixed. Well, some things aren't fixable. You know, you have to work on them and it's gonna take time and people have to work on themselves as well. Is frozen shoulder painful? Or is it, it just is. stiff? It is, initially in the initial phases and then mm -hmm. once it gets stiff, it is typically not painful um, and then later on it resolves. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a frustrating problem. Is it gradual? You don't wake up one morning and you can't move, or is uh, it It typically fast? is gradual. People just notice, oh, my shoulder's getting kind of stiff, and it's painful, and then it gets super stiff. And, you know, they can't lift it beyond right here, and they, and they come in, and, they, and I explain to them what's going on, and I give them the little, have a handout sheet made mm -hmm. that explains this in great detail so they can read about it later. But uh, it's... it's it's a frustrating problem. Yeah. Is it typically in older patients that you see the frozen? It person? is typically in older people, but m I would say middle age and up. Mm -hmm. um, and diabetes, you said sometimes people with People with diabetes and inflammatory conditions have yeah. a higher incidence of it, but anyone can get it. Um, one of my good friends had it several years ago, and we dealt with it, ended up doing surgery and a manipulation and therapy, and he did fine. and. No, he's got it again in the other shoulder. Oh, so, like you yeah, said, it it's, happens. It's frustrating. Yeah. At least you know what's coming. You got that yeah. and you can recognize it. Right. Are there different types of pain? Like if I'm there and I'm pretty healthy, pretty aware of my body, and I get that shoulder pain, is there something that's like, what does bursitis feel like? Or what is a rotator cuff? Can I kind of tell? Is it dull or sharp? Well, Are they different? The most common complaints we have are uh, can't sleep. I roll over on my shoulder at night and it wakes me up. Mm -hmm. That's probably the, one of the main reasons people actually come to the doctor. The pain is typically referred to the, the side of the shoulder. You know, it's, they say, oh, it's not my shoulder, it's, it's down here. 
it's the deltoid, which is this muscle right here. The pain is referred into that muscle, and it tends to be on the side. You know, people who have pain right on top of their shoulder, you can get pain at what's called the AC joint, your acromion, that's the joint between your collarbone and your acromion right there. People can get arthritis there. People can get what's called a separated shoulder. I don't know if you ever heard of that. Mm -hmm. It's common in football players. When you fall or you hit somebody really hard with your shoulder, you can separate the joint between the collarbone and the acromion, and that can be a problem, typically from an injury. Um, and that pain would be more on top of the shoulder. But if you try to lift your arm over your head and touch the ceiling and it causes you pain, then it's definitely your shoulder. Definitely shoulder. Yes. Okay. And so different types of reasons we might need surgery. Is there anything that if we wait too long, it's going to go into something we need surgery? Or are there just specific things like rotator cuff? And what are other reasons that we have soldier surgery? Well, the most common reasons for shoulder surgery are going to be rotator cuff repair is going to be the most common, far and away. Uh, what's called a bank heart repair, which is where we repair the capsule around the shoulder. That's people with dislocations. You know, when you dislocate your shoulder, that means the ball pops out of place and it tears the lining around the joint. Now, in some people, it dislocates one time, pops back in, the lining heals right back down again, and it never dislocates again. Some people, it never heals, it keeps popping out, and those people, we have to go in there and sew that lining back into place. And that's called a bank heart repair. That's probably the second most common uh, shoulder surgery. Of course, fractures, we go in with plates and screws and rods and put them back together depending on the, the size of the fracture. And then shoulder replacement surgery, which is once again, that's much more rare than hip and knee replacement, but becoming more common these days as people get older. Um, sometimes people will have a rotator cuff tear and they'll ignore it for so long that you can't fix it, that the rotator cuff is just gone. And they will typically have what's called pseudoparalysis, which means they can't even, they can't lift their arm at all. And those people will benefit from a newer procedure. It's a type of shoulder replacement called a reverse shoulder replacement. And that's where you replace the shoulder for people who have a rotator cuff tear that's chronic and can't be repaired. And the shoulder replacement makes up for the torn rotator cuff and allows them to be active again. Well, you led right into my next question. I was going to talk about the advancements that we've had in these surgeries. Say someone's listening and a long time ago they had something, now that other shoulder's hurting. How much have things advanced? It's insane. Yeah. Uh, compared to when I first started doing this a long time ago, you know, we were just learning how to do shoulder scopes and some of the very first primitive rotator cuff repairs were being done. And throughout my career, the advancements, the type of instruments we have, the um, the tools we have to fix these things with get better and better every year. So in the reverse shoulder replacement, that was a relatively recent advance in the last 15 years or so, which has really helped a ton of people. Um, just arthroscopy overall and the tools we have to fix these things have been amazing. And arthroscopy, if someone isn't... That's a scope. Yeah, right. That's where we fix yeah. things kind of like through tiny holes, we mm -hmm. put a we put tools and instruments in there and a camera, and we can fix. It's kind of like building a ship in a bottle. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. we work That's on. That's a good analogy. That's right. True. And it used to be we could fix small tears, but we had to make an incision to do the really big tears. But now we can fix everything. We can, you know, a shoulder replacement would require an open procedure, but 
pretty much everything else is done arthroscopically. And so, and the recovery for that is got to be incredible. It's very quick. You know, the surgery, arthroscopic surgery consists of come in the morning, get it done. Surgery typically takes one to two hours. And then you get a sling, you go home, and you work with a physical therapist a couple times a week. Um, so it's, it's certainly much better than it used to be. And, and it's getting better every, all the time. Yeah, better all the time. Minimal scarring. Oh, yeah. And not as invasive. There's just all kinds of S wonderful things. Still look good in your bikini. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a goal. That's <laughs> a goal here. Yeah, because I still got that. You're rocking that bikini. That's for right. Sure. Tankini. So, yeah, that's right. That tankini. That's right. Let's see. Look at you. You didn't know. know. Yeah, you. Yeah, you have to date with all that. You probably have all these questions in there. I have. I have three daughters and a wife. <laughs> so you know. I know. You know. Yes. All right. It's good. <laughs> what else would you like us to know about well, shoulder surgery? Things to watch out for. Pain. What to look for. How quickly to come in. Well, um, the the main thing is don't don't ignore your body. Don't wait too late. Um, you know. It, People know if, if it's shoulder, my shoulder gets sore for a day or two, but then it gets better. Mm -hmm. If it's been months, you're progressively getting weaker, you're losing your motion, uh, you need to get on in and get checked out. Uh, don't be afraid that you're going to have to have some type of major surgery, So that's because that's very unlikely. And most of the time, it's simply an injection and some exercises or some medication, and then we can get you, get you better. Yeah. No need to suffer. Right. Um, and it, and like I told the lady, you know, we take all insurances, Medicare, Medicaid, and even people that don't have insurance, we can work something out. So yeah. certainly don't don't suffer. Don't suffer and keep moving. I keep think that's moving. the biggest takeaway. Dr. Mays, thank you so much. Always a pleasure. We appreciate Th it. Thank you. And thank you for watching Healthline 3. We will see you next time.